In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success? Who defined it? Who decided that success was the goal instead of fulfillment? What happens if we shake up that definition? What if we make our own definition of success? My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and on this podcast, I'm going to dig deep into the real stories behind success. Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. And my name is Tony Grebmeyer, and today we're connecting with Darren Hanser. Uh, Darren is a direct response copywriter, strategist, and the owner of a growing copy agency who works with health supplement companies and information publishers to improve customer acquisition efforts through direct response-driven funnels. So when Darren isn't writing copy or strategizing with his clients on how to maintain solid conversions in a commonplace first world, you're going to find him watching his daughters at dance competitions, enjoying family time, or at home watching documentaries. We're going to find out what documentaries and more on this episode of the Be Fulfilled Show. Please welcome to the show, Darren Hanser. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. It's actually quite uh, surreal after knowing you for a couple of years and being on this show. It's, it's awesome. Man, I got to tell you, a couple of weeks back, we were eating burgers, laughing in Toronto, having a good time. And it was like, I hadn't talked to you in a while. Next thing I know, I felt like it was just like I caught up with my best friend. And so I thank you so much for being here today. Question out the gate, everybody has to answer because it really is how we get up Success Mountain is what is your definition of success if we remove money from the answer? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, You know, it's funny, if you asked me that question Six months ago, I would still include money in that answer. But now, because I realize like money is really just a reflection of, of, of what is going on inside and what you're actually providing to the world, you're right. Like money is, is really just a tool and it's a, it's a way for us to do what we're supposed to do versus be the outcome so fulfillment, happiness, whatever that means to me is really just being able to be who I am in, in all areas of my life. I think there was a lot of time in my life where I was a master of putting on masks for every situation, right? Whether that was growing up, going to multiple schools, having to kind of figure out how to be the new kid at school every single year and find a group of friends who I relate to, who I can, you know, kind of infiltrate in a way, Um, you know, and that's what you have to do when you're growing up and going into different uh, situations. But uh, I think finally being able to take that mask off and be the same guy, you know, having a burger with you as I am talking to my wife, talking to my kids, just being the same guy, regardless of where you are. Obviously there's some situations where you're an enhanced version of yourself, you know, when you're, if you're talking on stage or you're doing things, you're, you're an enhanced version of, of the person that you are at home, but you're still the same person. Right. And that's what, for me, I, I don't know. I always, I, I've always looked, looked at people and thought, okay, well, what is, why do I think they're successful? Like what, 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 what are they exuding? 
that I look at and be like, oh, they're, they're a success. And for many years, it was because they were able to buy certain things or they were able to buy their family certain things or they were able to, you know, have a nice car or have everything new. But when it really comes down to it, it's really because they were the same person that I became enamored with on stage as they were backstage. That's what, that's what really drove me. And, and, you know, I, I find like when I'm not doing that, there's, there's almost a, a tightness <laughs> that happens in my body. But when, when I am myself, when I am just me and whether you accept it or not, that's kind of a secondary issue when I'm myself and when I'm kind of showing my family who I really am and being that guy that they can rely on, that's, that's what makes me happy. I like it. I mean, I, it, it's really, it was a, a wide answer to get to the same, <laughs> same point, right? Which is, I kind of want to get into the, where were you six months ago feeling like you had to wear all these masks because I can identify with that. And I hope anybody listening today is going to be real honest and say, hey, you know what? I've worn different masks for different things, but I loved your answer of being able to just be free and be the same person you are and with the intention of just being forthright and, and real and candid with people. I think there's some, something really, really powerful in your definition today. So thanks for sharing that. You are in Toronto, in Canada. Are you originally from that area? Yeah, I grew up, if anyone knows Toronto, I basically grew up around 25 minutes outside the city. You know, now you go from downtown, you drive for two hours and you're still in a city, right? It's just the way that it is. It's just expands every which direction. Um, but when I was growing up, you know, my parents, we originally lived up way up north where I, I believe the story was, you know, my parents where my dad built a cottage, but it ended up being kind of a home. So they moved there. And then after a couple of years, my mom was having like, you know, she was in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and trying to, you know, with two small kids and it was very isolating. So she moved back into the city. Um, and that's where we kind of grew up mostly just a little bit outside the city. And then eventually we just kept moving a little bit farther and farther away as the city grew and as opportunities came for, you know, buying a new house and a new area. And that's, that's kind of where I grew up. So, so I grew up in a lot of different places within the same city, if, if that makes sense. It sounds like Los Angeles to me, right? It sounds like you, you literally have this idea of I got a short drive to work or where I grew up and then you really haven't done much or moved, but it just congestion and traffic and everything else kind of slowed down and, and it, it takes a lot longer to get places now. Yeah. And like last, a month ago, like I had to go to a, a friend's funeral um, from high school and uh, it was back in my old neighborhood where like we used to hang out and it was like, you know, it's, it's literally 10 minutes from where I live now by, by car, but the whole city changed. It's a whole, it's a totally different city. And I was like, you know, when we were, you know, 15, 16 in these areas, you could just walk across the street and we'd go have pizza there. We'd go, you know, drive around our neighborhood. And, and, it, and then now it's just like, I would never let my kids run around where I grew up. And it's like, it's go out when the street lights came on, you knew it was time to go home. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting kind of circle that when you start going back to places that you grew up and, and like really 
looking at how things are now, it brings a lot of memories back, but it also brings a lot of, you know, now we live in an area with the same kind of environment that I grew up in, but it's just a little bit farther out. So it's, it's a whole cycle that continues, right? Did you uh, bully kids when you were younger or did you get picked on? <laughs> um, I think... Because we're talking about your childhood. I want to know. Yeah, right? like, no, I, I think I was, I was a very insecure kid and came across like I had everything together. And I think that's where the, the, ma- the masks came. And sometimes putting on those masks meant being an asshole, right? It meant, you know, going along or with other people that are doing shit that you really don't want to do. It yeah, means- I, I spent a lifetime trying to look good to avoid looking yeah. bad. I mean- right, so as a kid, so I think, you know, it's funny. Like, I don't, now I think of bullying as like intentional um, intentionally putting someone down to make yourself feel better. But I think a lot of it is unintentional because it's, it's unresolved issues that are just being spewed out on everyone around you. And as a kid, a lot of times that comes down to having to pull people down so that you can be lifted up versus everyone helping each other up. So, you know, like I had this, I had this thing in my head as a kid and it, it plagued me from even like growing up uh, in my career, my early career, is I always thought that in order for someone to win, someone else had to lose, right? And in reality, like, yes, in sports and in competitive, you know, things where there's a score, yes, there's always a loser. Like right now is the, the NBA finals. My, yep. you know, my team is in the finals and there will be a loser. <laughs> like there's going to be a lot of disappointment happening when somebody wins but the reality is when you're when when you're building friendships when you're building connections with other people when you're when you're trying to make it through life it doesn't have to be that way right you know there's there's always you know there's every kid has their own shit that they're going through and i i just try to you know my wife and i we try to instill in our kids that you know just don't be an asshole like it, it's, it's so easy to be mean. It's so easy to pull people down. It's so easy to, to point out what other people are doing wrong. It's very hard to support someone when you might not get the prize at the end. Right? Do you think it takes the same amount of energy? To I, think, do- I think it takes a different energy. I think it takes a more um, intentional think, energy. Think, yeah. I think if you're, I'll just go back to when, like when I was younger and I had to go, into new schools and meet new people, it was a lot easier to find the people who were, who were doing, I don't know, maybe this is just my own experience, but I found it easier to, and maybe it was a lazier thing to do was to find the people who were kind of on the out like on the outer, uh, like the outcasts, I guess. Right. Um, because there's always a spot for someone else on that, on that, Right. Know, bench, right. There's always a spot on the bench. There's always an extra spot. There's, there's not always an extra spot um, on the court. Right. So sometimes in order for myself to be accepted, I would go to the lowest common denominator. And unfortunately as a kid that got me involved in a lot of things that I probably, I would not wish on anyone right now. 
right? But now looking back in the way that I speak to my kids and, you know, they're in competitive dance. They, you know, for like, we just finished our season where we go around and they compete and everything like that. And, you know, their main focus is really making sure that the winners know that it, that it takes a lot of effort to win, but the, also that it, even if you're not winning on your team, it's very important that you stand behind the ones that are winning and cheer even louder because you know how much went into that, right? Like when we played baseball as a kid, at the end, you know, you go, you do the line and you congratulate, you know, the kids for doing a good job, playing a good game, good game, good game. That was like the whole thing. Slap their hand, good game. And then you'd get these other kids that would spit on their hands and they would trip you and they would, you know, they wouldn't be happy that you won. They would just, they'd be just pissed off that they lost, right? But what I want to teach them and what I, what I do now, and even in my own business right now, is anytime there's a loss, is, is really going back and reviewing what happened, right? So what, the one thing that, that is really cool with what my kids do is when they're on stage dancing, these judges are com- making commentary, right? They're basically doing a play-by-play, like, oh, your foot's a little bit out. Your, your knees are a bit too bent. Oh, you, you know, spin faster. Like, very specific, constructive criticism. And after they're done, they go back to the studio and they watch the tapes, right? And they watch the tapes of the winners. They watch the tapes of the losers. They hear exactly what's going on. And then they go back and they make it better, right? They go back and they say, okay, well, I was my feet were too far out. I need to focus and keep them in this next time. And what happens is every single competition, you see they're getting better and better and better and better. And then finally at the end of year, like recital where all the competitive teams perform everything that they've done for that year. And you know, the parents come and everything like that. A lot of times it's the only time that some people have ever seen these routines being done. They're incredible right? Because they've practiced, they've looked at their failures, they've looked at all this. And that's what I, I think I find that the question was, was I a bully as a kid? <laughs> and this is where we got. But I think in reality, it's, you know, but you said it ties perfectly kind of into your practice and life. And like, it, this is an important topic. Because yeah, there's a lot of things that I did as a kid, that now I look back on, and I'm like, Oh, that's how I was feeling at the time. Here's why I did that. Unfortunately, a lot of the things that I did meant friendships ended, you know, <laughs> relationships ended, you know, and a lot of things went on that probably I would have done differently. But right now I know that I can look back at all those experiences and just like my kids watch this tape, I can be like, okay, well, you know what? The last time this happened and I felt like this or this happened with a friend, I reacted like this and that was the result. So if I want something different, here's a couple other you know, options B or C to act. And I think, I think the reality is like every, nobody has it all together. Nobody knows the right way to respond in every situation. And I think if, if that's the mindset, like everyone's in this together, nobody really knows the answers to everything. Maybe someone's experienced something before you, but everyone can be a teacher. Everyone can be a student at every moment. And I'm just, the more that I progress in my life, the more I realize how little I knew when I thought I knew everything, right? 
so, you know, so true. You said something in the beginning about how you're in it. This question's kind of being answered. If I would have asked you like six months ago, how it'd be different. What kind of has gone on in the last like six months for you? What, what has kind of shifted or changed or masks that you're choosing not to wear? What, what's the biggest thing? Um, I think it's less of, I think what happened was I was very wrapped up in past results that I, that I had got for clients. Right. And I think as a, like, as a copywriter, like I write, you know, video sales letters and advertorials and email campaigns and all this. And sometimes you get great results and sometimes you fall on your face. Right. And this relates a little bit back to what I was saying about getting constant feedback about, you know, why things failed and why things didn't work and being open to that instead of feeling like, uh, someone's out to get you or, you know, you're not good enough. Right. Um, but I found a lot of my identity being wrapped around what I did for a living. And, you know, I went through a period where I was getting great results for clients. And then I got to a place where I, you know, and we talked about this when, when you were in town, I got to the place where I was like, I don't even think I can do what I did last month today. Right. And it was a weird situation that I found myself in that I really, I'd wake up every day and I had this image that I thought I needed to live up to. I'm a, you know, great copywriter gets results, right? He's the go-to guy, you know, like that kind of thing. And though that was going around in my head and I was like, well, if I'm that guy, why can't I do the job that, that I'm, supposedly so great at like what's can happened you, can you drop names of some of the clients that you've written copy for yeah sure um just in the past few years we've done stuff for uh, mind body green uh, we just did a, a, a webinar for them that's working really really well uh we're uh, right now one of my main clients that i do uh, a lot of copy for is uh, danette may um, so mindful health she's you know got the fitness um, angle as well as a lot of um you know, cacao and supplements coming and things I like just, that. I just had lunch with her husband. Yeah. 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 So, so that's my kind of an ongoing thing where I, where I do a lot of the, the copy there. Um, there's a couple of us that, that do copy, but that's kind of a main thing. Um, work last year, did a sales letter for Organifi, did a few with uh, new market health, uh, which is an Agora subsidiary that does uh, their supplements. So, um, wrote a few VSLs for that. Yeah, the reason why I threw it out there, you know, I, I run a fulfillment company. So, you know, supplements and health in your bio copy that you write for anybody listening today, maybe honing in on some of the copy, but it's really cool to hear the story behind the copy, right? Like yeah. it's like the mind, the genius, the, the person the, the you know, Hey, what I was writing a month ago may or may not work today. Or could I even be creative enough to write it? Cause I think some of the common things are is like, well, how do you write great copy, right? Yeah, so I'm going to ask some really basic questions, but how do you sit down and really get the right copy to come out? Yeah, so that's a good question. I'm going to back up because I stopped in the middle of me not being able to do what I do very well <laughs> anymore <laughs> before you asked me who I, who I did it for. And uh, I was trying but, to save you. <laughs> but what, what happened? Well, I'm going to tell you because it, it turned around very quickly. What happened was I actually, I started seeing a therapist, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I started seeing a therapist, not because that was the first therapist I've ever seen in my life, but because I think I was ready for that next phase 
Mm-hmm. I was ready. I was hitting, and he said something really intriguing to me, and I, and it's stayed with me. Like he's, he's very good at changing the way that I speak to myself, and he said, you know, everything that you did before, you still did. Nobody can take that away from you. That was you writing. But what changed is the person approaching the writing, Hmm. right? The way that you view yourself when you sit down and you're opening up a project really dictates a lot of what comes out on the other end, right? And for a long time, I didn't really believe that. I thought it was much more of, I thought writing copy was a natural ability and I learned how to do it through a number of different methods. Um, One was from just building my own affiliate business and, and like escaping a job through writing copy. Like that's how I got into this. And I didn't even know at the time that that's what I was doing, but I got into this because I was like, I need to get out of a situation. But what he said to me was, you still, you still got it. Like you've still got it. It's still in there. There's just a story that you're telling about yourself that is not congruent with that next level of your life. You're, you think you're stuck taking X, Y, Z, right? But in reality, like you're really good, right? And you know, when you, when you get your head right, when you get your mind right, when you get the mindset set up properly so that it's, it's, it's not beating yourself up, but it's actually supporting your actions, you will actually get up and you'll sit down and you'll know the process that you, that you follow is going to work for you this time too, because it is a process. It's not a creative endeavor. There's some creativity that comes along in how the message is put out there, but in reality, it's a very systematic endeavor that requires work, right? And to be quite honest, it got easy at a point. At a, at a certain point, certain things became, I, I thought to myself, oh, this is, this should be harder or, you know, and then other times I think, oh, this should be easier, right? But in reality, it's just, it's just work, right? And you got to get up. That's all it is, right? And, and yeah, and Darren, what I, what I want to do is I want to take a quick break. Why? Because I, I think it's a great cliffhanger to stop on. Therapist, you have that conversation. You still got it. But what masks are you wearing? What are you doing? You know, that's not the, the real Darren, as I like to call it. Not the one that is trying to people please, but the one who's really trying to be true and authentic. And you're really good at what you do. And I love that that got brought up because we can doubt ourselves as individuals and really take our greatness and just stomp on it. Like, it doesn't matter. I feel miserable. Screw this. And you can basically find yourself down the wrong rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you say that because everything comes back to the process of what you do before the actual job gets done. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the way that I have, I thought about this is that, you know, it's almost like a, an NBA player that stops taking free throws after the game. They stop practicing after the game. They stop giving the, the respect that their craft deserves, the same respect that they gave it at the beginning when they had this big dream of, of getting into the NBA. Well, just like that star who plays for the Bucks. Yeah. Do you know where you found him basically the next day 
in the gym at 24 years old shooting. Exactly. And that, yeah. cause that's where, that's where championships are won. It's not like, yes, you have to get on the, on the, on the court and execute at the highest level, like when it really matters, but the ability to get on the court and actually believe that you've got the skills that it takes to, to lead your team is not made like when the, the starting buzzer goes, it's made every day relentlessly practicing and becoming the best that you can be. And, you know, there was a, maybe a short moment that maybe it was depression. Maybe it was, you know, just the winter and it was gray. And I was just feeling like, is this, is this what I'm going to do? And if it is what I'm going to do, am I going to be the, the best that I can be? Or am I going to just wallow along and, and come up with mediocre results? And the, 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 the fact of the matter is there's a next level for me. And I've already, ever since our conversation actually in Toronto, from that point to today, I actually think I've, I've got more business coming my way just from the belief that like, I actually know what I'm doing. So go do it, man. Like that's the, like, that's how I was told by this therapist, you know, talk to yourself. Like, like if your daughter came to you and was like, Oh, I don't want to dance anymore. Like I would say to her, no, 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 no. You're a dancer. Do what dancers do. Go dance, go be, go practice, go hurt your feet, go get bruised. Like literally these kids, I've never seen kids work harder than like they're athletes, they're, they're artists that are in the room, they're practicing, they're, it's, they're sweaty and they're nine, right? And if she came to me and said, I don't want to dance anymore because I, don't, I can't get this move or I can't get this move happening, I'd be like, no, 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 you need to go practice more. So I started talking to myself the same way that I would talk to my daughter, Right. And basically saying, you know, I, I went through this program and they said, like, what if 12 if year old Darren came to you and said, hey, dad, I'm you know, I don't really think I want to do this anymore. I don't really think I'm any good. What would you say to him? Would you say to him? Oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe go find something else. Or would you say, no, no, no. You have something that people wish they had. Let's go practice together. Right. Let's go make this better. Let's go. Like, how can I help you? right? That's how you would talk to a 12 year old. But when you turn 35 or 38, all of a sudden it's like, you don't talk to yourself like that anymore. You talk to yourself like, like you should know better. When in reality, like everyone is just trying to make this thing work. Right. And I think looking at myself, the way that I would look at my kid and having a little bit more patience, having a little bit more elegance in the way that I speak to myself in my own brain um, has allowed me to come out of that funk 10 times stronger. Right. And it, it, it literally happened in like a three week period, right. Going from thinking I shouldn't be doing this as a career to literally having clients that I, I, I can't fit in. Right. So that shift happened so quickly. I, I you know, and I, I owe you a, a thank you because you actually, looked across the table at me and, and said, like, what are you, like, what's going on? <laughs> right. And like, you saw it so quickly. And I was like, I was like, dude, I'm, I don't know, like something's happening. Right. And, and like from that day forward, like there was the, the, the motions were happening and that created this environment where 
something I never thought I could do again, like create a winning, you know, package for a supplement is now just something that I know I can do. Um, I just have to do it. Right. Yeah, you do. And you do have to do it. And anybody listening today, I don't want you to stop whatever it is that you're doing, but I do want you to take some massive notes because we're going to come back in just a second. We're going to be talking to Darren and I'm excited for our journey down success mountain today as we then transition into the fulfillment round. Just looking back, you do, you still have it. You are a genius. You, you write copy for some of the greatest companies out there, but I love the whole loving husband, kids. How would you talk to your daughters? You know, they came to you and said, Hey, you know, I want to quit or I wasn't wanting to do this anymore. How would you respond? And I loved what you gave. So stick around more with Darren Hanser and Tony Grabmeyer when we return on the Be Fulfilled podcast show. Are you ready to break the mold? You know, so many people seem stuck in society, but you're not one of them. If you were, you wouldn't be listening to this. But I know for a fact that right here, right now, inside you, there's greatness. And a great way to help bring that out is the 12-week journey to fulfillment. So head over to BeFulfilledJournal.com and use the coupon code PODCAST and you get a special rate on us. It's our way to say thanks for listening. As well, there's access to a private community of entrepreneurs ready to support you and your business. That's BeFulfilledJournal.com. Now back to Tony. He's hydrated. Can you hydrate off of Pellegrino? Hey, we are back on the Be Fulfilled podcast show. Today's special guest, Darren Hanser. He's joining us from Toronto, Canada. Super excited. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he just says like something clicked and he just fell back into that groove. I think so many great people have inside of them. And we get complacent. We kind of get sideways. We get off track. But when we get that winning Hail Mary, we catch it. We see it. We know we can do it. We just want to get back out there and do it again and again and again and again. Uh, so a direct response copywriter, a strategist, and the owner of a growing copy agency who if you go to DarrenHanser.com, that's D-A-R-R-E-N-H-A-N-S-E-R.com, and you go slash praise, you're going to see just miles and miles of just amazing uh, testimonials of what kind of copy Darren writes and how compelling it is and how really I like the ROI, the conversion side of it as well. Because <laughs> if you just write copy, that's great. But if you can write converting copy, that's better. Uh, so, hey, man, thank you so much for being here today. I hope uh, you're having as much fun as I am. Uh, thank you very, very much for just sharing and being transparent, opening up and, you know, admitting your faults, as I like to say, it, right? Like they're the things you know, from the bullying of the kid or, hey, you know, you had to go and travel back to where you were brought up and go to attend a funeral. I mean, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear for your loss and your friends and families. That's not fun. And, and just talking about just dealing with life and family and, and going to a therapist. I mean, a lot of people would be afraid to share that kind of detail because of being judged wrong. And what I love about Be Fulfilled and the community and like you and our relationship is, man, authenticity wins every single time. Just tell people how it is. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. That's not really my worry. I just show up the way I show up and I hope that it makes an impact. And it sounds like our conversation uh, had a big impact on you. And that's all I really want for how I show up in the world. So thank you for being here today and being a guest. We unpacked a lot, kind of getting up Success Mountain, taking a break from your definition of success to where we're at now. And a couple of questions that keep popping up in my mind around 
copy is when I sit in front of a cursor that's just blinking at me and I've got a blank, you know, screen or doc or whatever open and I'm like, uh, where do I start? What are some prompts that you go through that get you kind of fired up and ready for copy? That's a good question. And it actually relates back to how you at, you asked me what I, you know, I said I watch documentaries, <laughs> you know, at home, I'm like I'm a Netflix junkie. My wife and I watch every single show. I am unapologetically a TV like junkie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I literally have no apologies. It's what we love. But what it also allows is to see like other areas of life allows you to have a, a bigger vocabulary of, of things that aren't just in your like, you know, arm's reach, right? And what I find when starting to write copy is like it never happens by just sitting down and starting to write. Like if I'm writing a poem, maybe, right? Or if I'm writing like, you know, a letter, maybe. But if I'm writing something with the intention to pull someone out of the drudgery that is their life Mm -hmm. into an article or into a video or into a sales letter, I need to know where they're at. I need to know what they're looking at, feeling, smelling, seeing. I need to know what their problems are. I need to know how they're dealing with life. And I need to know what they're, what they're currently you know, doing right now. Like there's, you know, I need to be able to do that or else I'm writing. You can tell when you read something that is off you read something that's just off. It doesn't hit the, hit the beat. And you see these ads that are shared on Facebook when they're like, oh, the copywriter must not have really understood what the hell they were doing, right? And they share them as like memes because they're so off, right? You know, and, and you're like, yeah, that guy didn't, he doesn't know who he's talking to, right? He doesn't, it's, it's like someone's trying to use language of their audience that they, the way they think their audience talks, When in reality, that's just how like a caricature of their audience talks, right? So the blinking cursor is cured with tons and tons of of quality research, right? It's done through really understanding like what is the problem? Like what's really going on in this person's life? What other stuff have they tried before? And what can we say that is going to like make them not read something else that they're already reading or watching or doing and spend time and invest the time to, to, to read what we've written, right? With the intent that at the end of them right reading this, they're going to want to buy something, right? So that process is, I think is taken too lightly. I think it's taken too lightly by a lot of people thinking, oh, well, it's just words or, you know, they see a great ad or they see a great sales video and they're like, oh, I could do that. Right. And then and when anybody re- listening right now, one of the, the things that is just genius about Darren, um, if you've ever flipped through a magazine and you read it and you're so compelled and there's a, you know, a call to action and you look at the very top when you're done, it says avatorial. That's kind of <laughs> Darren's like forte. He, he's amazing. at just, you think it's just a real thing and it is a real thing, but it's like mixed in the magazine and it just gets you every single time. That's your genius. Yeah, and I think the, well, thank you. But I think the, the reason for that is that I, like growing up, I loved infomercials. Like, <laughs> Did you have a favorite one growing up? I lo- well, I loved the, uh, I think when I was a kid, it was when 
well, OxyClean and like Billy Mays was coming out with all, you know, all of that. And I just, and it wasn't even like the, the product. It was just the fact that I could come home from being out, you know, maybe at a club or with my friends, you know, I'm literally in high school, you know, and, and I'd be the guy, I'd go home and I'd flip on my TV and instead of watching like reruns of law and order, which I did a lot, I'd, I'd be the one that I'd put on the, I'd literally find the infomercial and just, I'd love watching it. I loved the transformation. I loved the, the aha, like the reveal about like, you know, you could, you could just swipe this one cloth and all your like, woes go away. Like, I just loved, I loved that. Right. And for a limited time, take action now. Cause this deal won't last in four to six weeks. We'll show up at your door with a brand new sponge. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why. Like I just, I just loved it. My mom, like my mom would subscribe to Reader's Digest and Prevention Magazine and all these like women's ways. Hey, uh, the Cosmo, you can leave that alone. I'm really exactly. into the Prevention Magazine and Reader's Digest. Yeah, I'd be like, listen, can you, uh, do you have those back issues of uh, Reader's Digest, 1992? Thank you. Parents coming in like, dude, is there something wrong with our kid? No, he's just, he's getting copy down. He's getting ideas yeah. and transferring it down to paper and starting to understand this game. Yeah, the funny, the funny thing is like, I didn't even know what all that was. I didn't know that I was kind of that what went into creating that kind of thing. And then I, I got a job. I became a, actually a financial planner. Uh, that's what I went to school for. Um, I went out and I got, you know, jobs in, in different areas. But the one uh, company that I worked for was way ahead of the game. They were a marketing company disguised as a financial advice kind of machine. Right. So they would work with other brokers and other financial advisors who mainly sold insurance, did a lot of estate planning, dealt with very wealthy people. And these wealthy people had every single person calling on them. Right. Because look, you got a guy with a million dollar portfolio. He's a hot prospect. You know, he's got a cottage. There's going to be some taxes. Like there's, there's a, there's an opportunity. That was the market. Right. And, but this company, helped advisors position their services as super unique, right? Where they could go into a room and give someone a one page presentation that had a unique hook. It had a unique, you know, method of providing the solution. It had a, had a name, right? <laughs> Instead of just providing, you know, permanent life insurance, they had, you know, the yes strategy, Right. And it was like the yield enhancement strategy. And it was this unique package that was custom built and it and it worked because of this contract. And I, I became enamored with how to then enhance what they were doing. How do I differentiate this? And I worked in their marketing department and I was basically behind the scenes figuring out I'd, I'd get a guy come to me and say, look, we have a client who's got this, this and this. How are we going to position this? And I would come up with you know, I'd find what strategies worked and then I would even come up with like custom stuff and be like, no, this is like now a new template that we can go with and it's a new strategy. And that became kind of my intro into like actual like marketing. Like what is, what is, what are, why are people buying this? And I'd sit in front and I'd go out on meetings and I, you know, they'd bring me as kind of like the, the technical expert and 
I'd, I'd present and I would give them like a rundown of why this is going to work for them. And it was super unique and they, the, the, they couldn't get it anywhere else. Like this was, these were unique custom solutions. And what I learned from that was that great marketing can solve a lot of problems in a business, right? Like these guys were out there. They had the same product as everyone else. They had the same contract. They, there was nothing unique about what they had, but that, but the way that we packaged it and positioned it was that they couldn't get this anywhere else. Mm. Right. And that gave me an intro into the whole marketing aspect of things. And then I, I just went down a rabbit hole from some personal needs of making some extra cash. I started finding offers online and buying, you know, business opportunity products and learning how to make money on the internet. And then, then I learned how to, Oh, these guys are actually um, doing direct response marketing. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So I, the way that I learned that was that I was in this, I got involved in like a, an MLM. Okay. And like, I, you know, like I say this now and I look back and I'm like, you know, but the, I, I got into this MLM, but I didn't want to do it the traditional way. Cause I really didn't have a good network. And so I went online and I started looking for ways to get like leads to talk to. I wanted to know how do I, how do I actually get people to talk to? And I found all these, these lead capture pages. They were super intriguing. They had these crazy headlines. They had this, you know, and it was so appealing to me that I could not help but go down the rabbit hole. So I became a buyer and I learned what was working. But then the difference between, I think a lot of, a lot of people in, in that market, in the business opportunity market, is a lot of people stay buyers forever, right? They buy franchise books. They buy how to get rich. They buy all this stuff. And I, there was a couple of guys at that time, and I think there was a book called How to Get Rich in the Opportunity Market. And it was about, you know, it, it opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And I was like, oh, now these guys are building internet funnels. They're building, you know, sales pages and I'm buying stuff. And then I'd look at it and be like, okay, well, can I do this too? Hmm. Can, I, can I do this? So I'd start, I messed around. I started creating my own lead capture pages. I started creating my own email list and I'd offer the like affiliate products and I would, I'd get their swipe email. Then I'd learn about how to make it better and, and make it my own. And then that's what got me involved in actual copywriting was being a customer of like a buyer of cop of, of good copy. Right. And I saw the power of it. And then that led me to how do I, how do I get better at this? Like I need, I need to know how to do this. And I spent a lot of years figuring out through trial and error. And, you know, I, I even had clients and I, the, the results that I was getting was really shitty at the beginning. <laughs> Excuse my language. You got to start somewhere. No, be but, like, I just wasn't start somewhere. I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And I, and I thought you could just do it. And then I started getting involved with other people that were at a higher level realizing, Oh, like there's another level to this stuff. Like there's a, these are big businesses. Like this is really serious. There's right? a lot of money to be made in copy. Right. And then, yeah. And then that got me to like honing a skill, realizing that I wasn't really as good as I thought I was going and saying, okay, how do I get better going through that process? And then now coming out this side and still realizing there's always more to learn. There's always, there's always your, your sword will always get dull, right? If you're, if you're going after like a real future, right? And, you know, I don't, I don't know, went off on a tangent, but 
I just feel that, you know, this, I'm, glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, man. I, I look, it's interesting to talk about this stuff because, you know, I don't talk about like how this ha- kind of came to be a lot. No, most people just want to share the success, but the hard work is the thing that you need to let other people know that, that you have to do to get to the success. Yeah, there like, is, like, there's no shortcut. Well, maybe there's some tips and hacks and tricks that you can do, but you really got to do the work. And that's what we've been talking about all day. I mean, like Darren, we could go on for hours and yeah. I want anybody listening today to go check out what you do at darrenhanser.com. And then if you're there and you want to learn more, hit the praise button and see all the cool stuff that Darren's done. And you're like, wow, if you're, you're a copier or you're a buyer, you probably have purchased a lot of stuff that he has personally written or been a part of. So check that out. What I want to do is run you into the fulfillment round. Fulfillment round is just a bunch of questions, random, doesn't really have a yes or no. It's just give an answer. If you don't know it, just make it up. Um, this is fun. This is for the world to get to know Darren at a higher level, right? So maybe you're going to figure out the favorite kind of ice cream that Darren likes or where would you find him on a Saturday night? We're going to find out that and so much more. But first, I need you to say I am ready. I'm ready. Let's do this. And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine, no digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannicas. And I promise Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The fulfillment round brought to you by shipoffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? All right. You were going to go out today and you wanted to get some exercise. Would I have you on a hike or would we go for a run? I would, I used to run. I used to love running, but now I would probably be jogging in a hiking situation. <laughs> so, I like it. Yeah. What's, uh, what's playing on your audible right now? Um, I listen to a lot of hip hop from the nineties. That was last night. I was listening to Too Short. My kid, my kid was listening to like Kid Cudi or something like that, and it had Too Short. And I was all playing them like Life is Too Short and Born to Mac. And my my kid was looking at me like I'm crazy, man. Hip hop from the '90s is still some of the best. Listen, there's. Um, I think I have a lot more respect for hip hop now. That's what I grew up on. Like I remember when I was a kid, like just there was there was a there was a college station in Toronto that would, they had this DJs that would play and I'd be at home, I'd be taping. And then there was, you know, I had like mixtapes and then I had all the CDs and all the cases of tapes and like so much amazing music. Did you ever go to a flea market when you were growing up? A flea market? No. Yeah. Well, the I flea mean, markets around. I you went, know, you know, like they used to sell like black market tapes. You could buy a tape for like a buck or two bucks, you know, recorded. Yeah, so what, actually, I have a, interestingly, like, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to get back to that. Cause there was a place, there was a place in Toronto that I used to go to all the time and do exactly that. But like recently I started trying to make hip hop beats. Right. And <laughs> like, it is like just sampling, you know, old jazz records and, you know, and different things like that, putting beats towards it and really just like just making something new um, out of something old is, is such a, it's such a skill that I think if, if more people, and now there's a lot of documentaries on, on old hip hop producers, especially there's, there's a, a YouTube channel from mass appeal, which goes through like 
it basically they, they take producers, take them to a store, they pick up records, they may have to make a beat on the spot. And if I think if more people realized what actually goes in to creating hip hop music, it would, it would get a lot more re- respect for what it really is and what is really involved in the artistry behind it and the culture behind it. So I've been watching just, I just, I just love that. Uh, love the culture. I love where it comes from and that it comes from something super real and it comes from environments that are not meant for people to come out of. Right. But it gives people hope. It gives people a way out of situations that maybe they have no other way out. Right. And I love, I love that just that aspect of it. So you'll, you know, that's what I, that's what I'll, you'll find in my audible is <laughs> just, Ooh, All right, talk about the, the story real quick because I want to run through a couple more of uh, the tapes. Yeah, there was I, actually middle of high school or eh, probably like 14, 15. I got, I started, there was an underground like scene in, in Toronto came from, you know, the rave scene or whatever. But there was a type of music that was like drum and bass. And it was, it was very, it was basically like hip hop meets dance hall meets it was just the music that I just really, really loved. And there were parties where there was MCs and there was DJs. And then every Sunday they would get on like the, the college radio show and they would do a show and I'd tape that. But then there was a, a record store downtown that we'd go to and they had all these tapes from different clubs around the world. Right. And like, this is stuff you could never, you could never find online. There was no YouTube then there was no, like nothing was being recorded. So the only way to hear like what was happening in another city was by getting these mixtapes. And there, it was such an incredible experience at the time because you got to almost go into another world where you would never be. But yeah, like that's, I don't know, remembering that it's, it's I, I have fond memories, but it's mixed with, you know, being a teenager. <laughs> you know. What book are you reading right now? I will teach you to be rich volume two. Okay. Um, you yeah. talked about binge watching Netflix. What series did you just wrap up? Well, right now, um, well, we're right in the middle right now of watching a show called Rectify. And it's, it's, a, it's a show about a man who was wrongfully convicted, supposedly, of a murder. And he spent like 20 years on death row and he gets out. And now it's like the story of like the first episode, he gets out. Right. So I'm not ruining anything by saying that. And it's just a story about the family and the community and the relationships and all the stuff that's going on now that like he's back in this small Southern town and supposedly he's innocent when he's been this murderer for 20 years. So it's a very interesting. All right. Something truly unique to Toronto. Oh, truly unique, man. I would say it's just that we're just nice. We're just nice people. Like it's, (laughs) is that unique? I think it's, I I think, think, Hey, if you go to Toronto, you're going to run into only nice people. Um, Except if you want to go back to uh, school and this time they said, Hey, Darren, you can teach a class. What would you teach? I would probably teach. um, Hmm. That's a good question. I would probably teach 
I would probably do like the social studies guidance type thing. Um, yeah, probably because I wish I had more, uh, I wish I knew more about the fact that everyone doesn't know what the hell's going on when they're growing up. So true. Right. I just, I just, I literally wish you could give a kid just a letter that says, dude, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Just go with it. Just be your best. I know somebody who could write the copy if that letter ever gets. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Like, like that's probably what I would do is just like an honest, this is what's really going on in the world. Right. I like love you. Hey, I just got to say, Darren, thanks for stopping by the show today and just having fun going off on a tangent here and there and just delivering awesomeness as always. Um, people, me. do me a favor, darrenhanser.com. Check it out. We'll drop a link in the show notes. You can find it at tonygrubmeyer.com. Always, always enjoy my conversations. I, you know, I love about real deep friendships is they can start where they start and end where they end and you're never done. You just... Can't wait to have that next conversation. So thank you for being a guest today and a good friend. Glad to see you smiling and laughing. I'm, I'm glad so much positive is going on. Thanks for keep shining and, and making the world a better place. And happy people in Toronto exist. So go visit Darren when you get there um, and tell him I say hi. Um, his name is Darren Hanser. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeyer.com. Enter your details to get the first week of the Be Fulfilled Journal for free. It includes access to our private community of thousands of other entrepreneurs. It'll give you more clarity and freedom in your day. And it might just change your life forever. Forever.